Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. Welcome back to the Backstage Show after our Season 2 hiatus, I guess. Yeah, we've had a few weeks off, although recording-wise, we've only had about a month and a half off. Yeah, well, that's probably about what we've had off, because didn't we record a single episode before we took our break? Yes, the Neil Simon episode was a Skype episode, which is the last thing we did before our break. And that was recorded and aired the following week, maybe? Regardless. Somewhere around then. Yeah, regardless, we've been away. And now we're back. So interestingly enough, it was almost exactly a year ago today that we recorded our first episodes. Oh, well, there we go. So then should we be calling this one season two or is this season three? I guess it doesn't really matter. Who knows? How many, how many seasons has Survivor had versus how many years it's actually <laughs> been on? Yeah, What's a season anyway? We've pretty much been breaking stuff up into 20 episode chunks and calling them seasons because we can. So this one's number 41, which is about equal to my age. There you go. And since we've been gone, we've made a few minor upgrades you can now find us on spotify spotify yeah and if we're ever accepted you'll eventually be able to find us on iHeartRadio. i'm hoping that'll go through soon and i guess the big one is our phone number Ooh, it's exciting so you can reach us now uh either with a text message or a voicemail message at 267-225-8869 very nice it's not even a 555 number no it's uh well it's local, but free if you're local. And oh, if you're not, it's going to cost not, an arm and a leg. Yeah. <laughs> really, is there any paying for long distance calls anymore? I guess not. Yeah, it's pretty much doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, so that number, 267-225-8869. Uh, we hope to hear from you. Leave us a message and we may put you on a future episode. No solicitations, please. No. <laughs> Get enough of that. Should we introduce this week's return episode? Yes, let's do that. We figured today that we would step out from backstage and actually go out into the house and talk about the experience of community theater from the point of view of the audience. Skipping over the stage itself and right into the house. Well, the backstage might have a direct (laughs) exit to the house, maybe, in some places. Fair enough, fair enough. You can completely bypass the stage. That's probably a safer way to go, because otherwise it might be a bit of a drop. Uh, indeed, depending on the makeup of your theater. Correct. So I suppose the first thing we wanted to talk about in this realm is, from the point of view of an audience, how are they going to actually find out about what their local community theaters are going to be doing? I the- think a lot of this is the same process as you know actors find out about uh, auditions and such. One of the main things being checking the website of the theaters. That's handy, and as I've come to notice by doing just that, that you may find on there that there actually is a mailing list you can sign up for, which would be sort of a uh, more automated way of finding out about what the theater is up to. Indeed, or at least nothing that you have to actively go out and do. I mean, a lot of them will send you the uh, their brochure in the mail at the beginning of the year. A lot of these lists are uh, email lists now. Some of them have newsletters that they yeah. send out to audiences. I think still some some theaters, uh, I get still get them in the mail. We'll get like a mm-hmm. brochure or a postcard yeah. if they're about to announce their upcoming season, for instance. Or That seems to be the only thing I get in actual mail anymore is the brochure. Yeah, and sometimes the brochures might have information about if you want to sign up to become a season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. 
and that kind of thing. They they are more geared towards the patrons as opposed to yeah. trying to recruit actors or it, it doesn't really go into so much detail about audition announcements or things like that. There are some that don't even list the audition dates or anything at all about auditions for shows and they're geared entirely toward the audience. Yeah, and I don't know, kind of just segueing slightly, going to the the actor side of finding out about what's going on at the theater, that might be a little bit more needing to uh, have to actively search out what they're doing. Because sometimes, depending on, I found that depending on how their season is structured or when they start their season, especially if you're looking for the auditions coming up for the beginning of the season, maybe you're not going to see something until relatively shortly before it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that case, you kind of have to have a rough idea of how their season works. Yeah, yeah. There is often a uh, small window between when the season is decided upon and when the auditions for that first show are. Right. You have a little bit more lead time usually for shows later in the season, Mm -hmm. but maybe not necessarily that in-between stage. Yeah, I, I think, again, the the concern with theaters for announcing that season is to get it out to potential patrons rather than potential yeah. actors. Yeah, that, that's what I've found, that they focus more on reaching that, that target audience more so. Well, they've got to do that marketing. Yep, and that is tied into as soon as they can get the rights nailed down to everything. Yeah. They have to wait until that happens, really, before they can advertise anything. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then they'll send out those brochures with the hope. I mean, as you said, there's often like a season ticket form or something on there and try to build up season ticket subscribers. And if you have been a past season t- ticket subscriber to a particular theater, you'll usually get that brochure automatically and they'll try to keep you on their list. Yeah. And my experience has been or my observation has been that if you are a season ticket holder, then say maybe the last show of the previous season you know, they'll be promoting the upcoming, the upcoming season, season and sure. kind of setting it up so that if you are an existing season ticket holder or want to become one, they have a special table or kiosk or whatever where you can go to sign up or renew. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if you are a season ticket holder for a particular theater, it will be less expensive to get a, a I'd say almost all the time, it'll be less expensive to go to a full season of shows rather than buying each ticket oh, individually. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think. That's kind of the real advantage of it. Yes. Otherwise, why wouldn't you just go to whichever shows you feel like going? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think they tend to cater a little bit specifically to the season ticket holders and promote that and make them aware of what's coming up to encourage renewals. Right. But for really. those who aren't season ticket holders, then you're going to have to go and buy your individual tickets for an individual show. Right. But then you can still get on a mailing list usually right, right. of some kind to find out what's coming up but transitioning to those individual tickets then how do we go about that you mean buying them yes yeah well (laughs) that has uh certainly changed a lot over the years with community theaters being you know primarily volunteer organizations and maybe not being necessarily always able to keep up with the levels of sophistication of a commercial Mm. business or the Um, current technology exactly Yeah. yeah so i've found that you know, it's nice to see, I think, now that they're able to get more into doing online sales and kind of like you would go to get movie tickets anymore or mm-hmm. buy tickets for another live professional live performance so that you can go online, go on a website, order tickets. And yeah. in some cases, you can select your seats. Right. Depends on policies of the theater in particular. Right. Some do have open seating. There usually is a, a processing transaction fee associated with it, but mm-hmm. it's... Not 
too exorbitant. Yeah, I know there are a few theaters, I believe Barley Sheaf included, where they've kind of just rolled that fee into their tickets. Okay. So that they just make they make less money on an online sale than they would uh, otherwise, like a uh, box office sale. Yeah, I guess that's the question. You know, mm-hmm. do they? How many of these theaters is that pretty much the only way now that they're selling tickets? Can you get them any other way? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that's probably the majority. I, it's really just a guess from me that the majority of tickets sold are done online. I, I know that's my preference, but I do know also that community theater audiences tend to skew a bit older and technology tends to skew a bit younger. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Well, then again, some of the older patrons may already be season ticket holders, so they also don't have true. to bother with that. Yeah. But I remember back in the day... It used to be you would make a phone call. It would go directly to a voicemail, and you yep. either, you know, you'd say your name and how many tickets you wanted for the for whatever show. A lot of times they would uh, require you to leave a credit card number when you would make that call. Yeah, uh, Forge Theater being the first place that I had yep. done community theater at, that was exactly their process when I started there. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, that that kind of felt a bit awkward to have to do that. Yeah, I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you here. Here's a confession. When I would call and make reservations and leave a credit card number, I would change the number. It was never a legitimate credit card. But I mean, I always showed up and paid for my tickets in cash, I think, because I believe they charge for a transaction with a credit card as well Okay. once you showed up. But I mean, this was back in the day. Um, So what would happen in that case if they tried to bill you for the tickets and then they couldn't? Uh, they wouldn't go through, <laughs> or, or or is it a matter of that they don't actually bill you until you they show don't, up? Well, they don't. They didn't bill the credit card number unless you showed up and said, "I want to charge this credit card." And then I think they required you to even have the credit card in person. There okay, because they didn't take like uh, I don't think they took expiration date and the uh, the what's the CC something number the CCN number. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> whatever it's called, that the number, sec- that, that three-digit three digit security code, code yeah, yeah. Uh, or four-digit if it's American Express. Ah, uh-huh. regardless, I don't think they took all that information, so I don't think they. Could charge could it, but I'm not sure. I, I know hmm. the process, the the uh, the policy rather that they had in place technically was that credit card number is being taken so that if you don't show up, then they would charge your card. Right. But, but how could they do that? Well, I remember when I was on the board there, there was a whole discussion because they never even tried. If they if you didn't show up, they would just sell the ticket. Oh. If they could, and if they couldn't, oh well. They need it. Yeah. They they never. As far as I'm aware, while I was on the board there, they never followed through on what that policy was. Huh. Interesting. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, I don't know what kind of precedent it would set. And I think that might be part of the reason they didn't want to get any kind of reputation with, oh, I got charged and I wasn't able to go because I got, you know, like got a flat tire or whatever. But I think there also was like, if you would have called and said, hey, I got a flat tire. I'm sorry, I couldn't make it. They would refund it. I don't know. Yeah, I got Regardless, the, it was never a good policy. It was well, never a good system. And I thought I remembered hearing, I don't know if it was specifically Forge or maybe it was other theaters that has, who's had a similar policy, but the, the uh, idea, all sales are final. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the most that you could do was if for some reason you could not make that particular performance, they could, if it was, if something was available, they could exchange mm. your tickets for a different performance. Yeah. If that's the way it worked out. I mean, you know, community theaters are not in it for the money, so they're really just trying to get these ticket sales so they can continue doing what they do. It's it's their nonprofit organizations uh, for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, they rely on those ticket sales. Right. But I just know that, you know, some people I've talked to were really kind of uncomfortable with the idea of leaving a credit card number of a, Absolutely. a voicemail. Yeah, like I said, never a good system. I think it's really good that that most theaters 
if not all at this point, have moved on to being being able to do online reservations. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable even putting their credit card number in online, but at least there's supposedly some security behind that. Yeah. Village Players of Hapro in particular was one that for a long time was not available online. Yeah. Uh, it was just... It was mostly because of the people handling the ticket sales mm-hmm. were older and didn't want to well, it, deal with the technology part of it. It's a whole big thing to try and get that done because basically you're signing up for a service uh, to do this and they handle the ticket sales and they, you know, you log in and get their information and that kind of stuff. But the thing that they did have for a while is that you could call in the voicemail just to make a reservation, but you didn't necessarily have to pay for it then. You could pay when you arrive. Yeah, yeah. That was another way to do it. But that kind of, that now kind of got pushed towards a secondary priority if there were enough prepaid ticket sales kind of right, a thing. Right, So there was, you know, it became a little bit less guaranteed that just because you made a reservation that the seats would be available mm-hmm. or, you know, there would potential, potentially be a conflict if they had too many online sales. But anyway, I guess admittedly in my case, I would kind of look at you know, with some of these online sales methods, you could actually get an idea of how many seats were still available and then decide if you... That is a very good way. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, a lot of these things, you know, of course, with any show, you can show up at the door and pay for your ticket in person before, you know, right before the show, but then you run the risk of a show selling out. But with the yes. online ticketing systems, then you can go on and go, okay, how many seats are left? A lot of times you can go, which seats are left? You know, yeah, does it pay right. for me to show up? Should I go ahead and reserve anyway? You know, it's a well. If you're less in, of a crapshoot, yeah. If you're uncertain about maybe which day you want to try to get there, mm-hmm. then having that visibility kind of helps allow you to decide one way or the other what yeah. you want to do. Or if it's a last minute decision, yeah, that too. Uh, okay, well, it's Friday night. Maybe I want to go see the show because I happen to be available. Maybe I should go see if what's mm-hmm. available as far as seating goes. Yeah, and I think with a lot of people who do community theater there's probably multiple shows out there that you know they have friends in they want to see two or three different shows this way they can go okay well this one's sold out well what about another one they can you know on a whim on a friday or a saturday go and see one of many shows uh, and know if they will be able to get in or not right i like that yeah i do too i definitely like the uh online ticketing systems better than the phone call that always felt awkward to me to leave my number which is why i left the fake oh, that's ones. right yeah that, that's also true you, when you left the voicemail you had to leave a callback number that way if they weren't able to fulfill your reservation yeah. they could get in touch with you mm-hmm. or to well either they may get in touch with you anyway to confirm that they've accepted your reservation or made one for you or to tell you that no, sorry, we don't have anything available for that. Yeah, because you're you're running behind a little bit. It's not like you're calling guaranteeing there's anything available. You would call, sometimes they would update the voicemail and say, you know, the following performances have been sold out. Yeah, true. But it was still kind of a risk because what happens if before a show is sold out, they get 20 calls for reservations. Somebody had to go in, get the voicemail, assign these people's seats, and all of this. It was a, a pretty laborious process. And I think there was usually a disclaimer to say, all right, if it's, you know, maybe two hours before the time of the show that's supposed yep. to start that you want to see, we're not checking the voicemail anymore. Yeah, I, I believe... You can't make a reservation this way anymore. A lot of theaters still have that cutoff. I know Barley Sheaf has, I think, I want to say like five o'clock day of. Yeah, something but like that. But I mean, that. any... Probably not movie theaters have that, but I would think any live theater would have that cut off because there's a human in there somewhere checking all of this. Yeah. Well, they have to, I mean, that'll go into the process of actually, how do you get your tickets? 
and there are different it, ways absolutely. to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, are there any community theaters that actually mail you a physical ticket? That's I don't a great question. I'm not, probably if you sign up for the season tickets, mm-hmm. it's possible that you maybe would actually get tickets. Sometimes I thought I remember. Maybe this is no longer in practice, but I thought I remember in the past of theaters doing like color coded tickets, hmm. color code for each show, or maybe each. You, I think Playcrafters did a thing where you could sign up for specific a specific day of the run. Okay. Or week of the run or something like that. So and like Friday tickets were all blue. the first Friday or the okay. first weekend or So it would specify yeah, it the might particular be, performance. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I think I think some of the season ticket plans were set up that way so that when you signed up for it you would always get tickets for the say the first Friday of yeah. the run or something like that. Yeah, I think Barley Sheep does that or as the second well. Saturday. I and don't know. And you'd be guaranteed know. if it was reserved seating, you'd be guaranteed the same the seats same seats. Yes, for that every I know show. Barley Sheaf does, where you're reserving your seats for the whole season. So every time you go, you're in the same seat. Right. Well, the, yeah, that and that's the added another added advantage of the season ticket plan. If they do that, if they have reserved seating, is that you are always guaranteed yeah. to have the same seat. So you always know where you are. Exactly. But given different sets and stuff like that, that's not necessarily an advantage because a good seat for one show might not be a good seat for another show. Yeah, that depends on how the theater is configured. If it's yeah. more of a fixed stage where it's always in the same place, then you're well, probably in good shape. Uh, but I, don't, I mean, particularly at least at Barley Sheaf, given you know the poles and yeah. the size of things, your set might be set up differently where you have one director who concentrates the action stage right, another one concentrates at stage left, or depending on where the action is and where the set, is and where the walls and doors are placed a good seat for one show isn't necessarily a good seat for another possible yeah so as far as getting the tickets yeah maybe you get something mailed but Mm -hmm. maybe less likely anymore i think it seems like it's more common that you check in at the the lobby they've got a list basically already of everybody who has reservations so they just look up your name Mm -hmm. and they may just tell you where your seats are. They'll probably hand you a ticket to it, tell you yeah. where your seats I mean, are it, if it's assigned seating. My recollection, and correct me if I'm wrong, or you know anybody out there, or you, Jim, <laughs> can correct me if I'm wrong. But so my most of my experiences with uh, uh, Forge Theater, Drummaters at the Barn, and Barley Sheep Playhouse. That's the major three. And if I'm remembering correctly, they each do it differently. Forge Theater is open seating so you you walk in and first they, come first serve yeah they say you know what's your name they look you up they go okay go ahead in and boom you're done yeah i think and or they may give you uh maybe your program is kind of like your well, ticket okay yeah that could be um as you walk in now the other one with the barn i want to say the barn does do currently has reserved seating but didn't used to or maybe it's open seating regardless to, to the best of my recollection, with the barn, you go up to the box office, you yes. check in, they hand you a physical ticket, and then as you're walking in, they take that ticket. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And maybe that's what they still do. I don't so remember I think that's off the top what, of my head. What, what they had done. And then with Barley Sheaf, you go, you check in at the box office, they give you your ticket, and then you go in and you hold on to your ticket. Yeah. Village Players still does that. They've actually, okay. uh, they've actually gone into, their tickets are kind of like index, uh, sorry, business card size. Mm-hmm. And they've done some elaborate printing on them to have like a, a picture logo of the show on the. Yeah, ticket. that's what Barley really Sheaf. Cool. Barley Sheaf has the show logos, and they've had that for as long as I can remember. I, I want to say years ago, they actually used to put an advertisement on the back of the ticket. So on one side would be your, you know, your seat, the performance, the show logo, and then on the back would be an advertisement, which is 
Not a bad way for a theater to make a little extra money, too. Yeah, I was just looking around. I don't think I have any of their latest tickets laying around. Mm. Yeah. Well, anybody I, out there that knows what the <laughs> processes are, what the procedures are, uh, you know, shoot us a, an email at podcast at backstage.link or give us a text message at 267-225-8869. We'd be interested to hear what your theater does. I seem to recall Playcrafters still had, at least last our members still had tickets that mm-hmm. they handed to you. Yeah, they were I'm just trying to remember. I, I, I've been there fairly recently within the last year or so. It's probably a little bit more critical if it's assigned seating because then somebody could yeah. direct Say, you, hey, help direct you to your seat. Or, or somebody else could be like, hey, that's my seat. Get out. Yeah. Be gone. So if you're not paying for tickets... Then there are also circumstances with complimentary tickets. Yeah, if you are a member of the particular theater, you're frequently entitled to a complimentary ticket for each performance yeah, as part not, of your membership. Not every theater does that, but many of them do once you become a member. And a lot of times if you're involved with a production, you're required to become a member. And then you'll get a complimentary ticket to the show you're involved with, which may be transferable. Obviously, you can't use that yourself. Right. If you're involved, you're already yeah. going to be there, but you could give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you're generally paying to be a member for the entire season, so you can usually go to the productions in that season. Correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, at the discretion of the director, if there was somebody who had a very special contribution to a particular production, mm-hmm. then some theaters allow them at their discretion to give them comp tickets. Yeah. I've even if they're not well. members right. per se. There's also circumstances. I know uh, Barley Sheaf has instituted lifetime season subscriber. Oh. That that paid like a pretty hefty amount. I mean, this was uh, somebody requested this because they had been supporting the theater for an extremely long time and wanted to give us a larger amount of money. Like a big donation. Yeah, they wanted to give us a big donation. They wanted to get something out of it. Which, they put their name on the theater? <laughs> um, I think, actually, they're, they, uh, I want to say the refreshment area does have their name up there. Ah. I think. But so they paid, you know, a hefty amount. I don't remember what it is. Uh, I want to say it's four figures, but it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, so they, they're basically lifetime season ticket holders. So seems reasonable. Yeah. So that's kind of complimentary tickets. There are also lifetime members at Barley Sheaf. They're usually like maybe one person, one or two a year that have been involved with the theater since they were kids for 40 years or whatever, or have made some sort of unique contribution and they have been awarded lifetime memberships. Again, both of those are pretty much the same as season tickets or memberships, but, but kind of the next level up. Rats. I should have asked to put my name on the, uh, New air conditioner system. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're paying for it, they'd be willing to do it. (laughs) I'm kidding. Yeah. I remember one time I did give like a larger than normal donation Mm. towards one of those funds for a system upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kick in some extra money when you've got a home theater that you love and want to see them flourish. Sometimes you kick in a little bit extra if you can. Yeah. Uh, There's also, you know, occasionally coupon codes that they're put, put out there. Well, yeah, for uh, for comp tickets in particular, if they, they give you a special code, if say if you're a member, and if you're buying online, then you can enter in the member ticket code to not mm-hmm. have to pay for your ticket. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much just member tickets. That's how I know uh, Barley Sheaf handles it, where you kind of have to log in and put in your code to get your member tickets. Right, or it could be just general comp code that works for member tickets or for anybody else. that. Mm-hmm. And there have been certain times they'll... Uh, 
donate tickets to a raffle or something like that, Mm -hmm. where you'll get a code or whatever for that. They'll put out an advertisement and say, you know, half price tickets or whatever. I know some theaters have done that. There's definitely a, a number of different ways that you can get discounted tickets. It doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. Yeah, it's something I don't recall coming across very often. I mean, I know sometimes uh, theaters will have different rates for different performances. That's true. Uh, Generally, musicals will cost more to attend than uh, non-musicals because the rights cost more. True, yeah. yeah. Or within the run of one particular production in the past, at least, maybe this is no longer true, but in the past, some maybe the matinee performance will be at a discounted rate mm-hmm. compared to an evening performance. Yeah, I'm sure there are theaters that do that. I, I don't know of any off the top of my head, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know sense. if that's still... How much that's still a practice of mm-hmm. theaters charging different rates depending on which performance in the run you're yeah. talking about? Well, it used to be, uh, up until recently, Barley Sheaf did not have matinees, they added them due to demand, mm-hmm. and they sell out quicker, so I don't yeah. think they're likely to charge less for Well, that. probably not in that case. I know yeah. Village Players used to have it be a little bit cheaper to go to a matinee, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think their matinees were, you know, their evening performances had assigned seating, but their matinees were general, general. admissions, so mm-hmm. they were first come, first serve. I'm not sure that they still do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Got to check into the theater, check their website, check in any way you can, and just find out what their individual policy is. Because everybody, everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, based on the time, the, we, we spent a longer time than I expected just getting to the point of buying tickets. So Yeah, uh, we have quite a bit we'll, more to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll save arriving at the theater for next week. Yeah. But meantime, uh, thank you for tuning in to our premiere of our third season at the Backstage Show. It's great to be back. Yes, it is. And and, just as uh, a reminder, you can, uh, you can find us online on our website, backstage.link. You can email us at podcast at backstage.link. We're also now on Twitter. I've activated that. We are occasionally uh, tweeting. We'll at least get our episode uh, releases will be on there. And that's at the backstage pod. I'll let you handle that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm in charge of the Twitter. <laughs> I'm pretty much in charge of the Facebook, too, which is facebook.com slash the backstage pod. And as mentioned before, you can also contact us at our new voicemail. That's 267-225-8869. You can give us a, uh, like I said, like Jim said, a voicemail. You can also send us a text message there. You can give us ideas on future episodes, comments on current episodes, uh, any sort of comments you want. And uh, if we're interested in what you've said, you might uh, find your voice on a future episode. Ooh. And if you like the show, please subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend please. (laughs) That's pretty much how we're getting the word out and how we grow is you tell other people, hey, listen to these guys. They're not that annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I've personally gotten some good feedback from people that I know listen to us. Yeah, yeah. So have I. Hopefully that's encouraging. So thank you for tuning in. I think it is. (laughs) So uh, next week on the Backstage Show, we'll continue this particular topic discussion. Yeah, we'll be arriving at the theater. I think that's where we'll probably pick up since we have our tickets now. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, So until that episode, uh, you can find us backstage. Bye-bye. I think that timer's been going since our last episode. Oh, my God. (laughs) 1,095 hours. hours? (laughs) Trying to go a little lower. A little lower. Is this low enough? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us as we come back Season from three. our uh, little Hi. break. Hail hernia. Hi.
Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And I'm Kermit. And welcome to the Backstage Show! Yay! Insert theme here. Thank you, robot. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think almost exactly a year ago that we recorded the episode, the uh, sessions for our first episodes. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, literally what? I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> and with those in hand, uh, we'll be coming back at... <laughs> I lost, I lost my train of speech. All right, good enough. <laughs>